The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Winnipeg Jets forward Mark Shifley has been suspended for four games for charging Montreal's Jake Evans in Game 1 on Wednesday night. Lots to discuss on that as we head into tonight's Game 2. Many schools in Manitoba are staying remote for the rest of the school year, which means no grad again. So we speak to a grade 12 student on what happens now. And we had lots of fun today talking about your favorite guilty pleasure food, like pizza pops. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, June 4th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on this Friday morning on The Start <laughs> I love your energy already. It's yeah. like you can tell like the first syllable out of your your, your mouth. It's Friday yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. I, I got like three hours of sleep last night and any other day of the week I'd wake up hating my life, but I woke up today and thought, ah, it's Friday. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> yep. Just got to power through a few more hours and we're good to go. It's the weekend, baby. How's it going, Loretta? here. Oh, I'm good. I was just texting you guys that I had my first big sunburn yesterday. And by big, I just mean, you know, like I put on 60 and I needed 72 or something. I don't know. It was hot. It was awesome. It's going to be even hotter today. I was telling you, I was like a kid last night in the sprinkler and the trampoline combination. So I'm I'm ready for the weekend, man. Greg? Oh, I'm very ready for the weekend. A couple Jets games. I know we'll talk about that in just a few moments here. Uh, but I can't get over the divergence of temperature in my oh. house. I could barely sleep last night. I had a fan going and we're lucky enough to have central air. But I'm down in my basement. I've got a sweater on. <laughs> I oh. have to put some socks on. It's so cool down here. So I think I know my sanctuary is going to be my workspace uh, for at least a few hours today and uh, might have to spend more time down here this weekend. It's actually ideal in here. I'm thinking I could set up a little bit of a cooling center of my own. If not for these restrictions, <laughs> I might have to hire a bouncer and have a little bit of a speakeasy down here for those that aren't fortunate enough to have the central air. But that's just my entrepreneurship. And I just checked my beer fridge. I'm down to three. So uh, that probably isn't going to work out very well on the profit loss situation. Yeah, the basement. I, I remember my parents' place sitting in the basement. Eventually, I would have to get up and go put on a sweater or maybe put on some sweatpants. But then you go upstairs and it's way warmer. And then you step outside and you go, wow, why am I wearing sweats? So, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's the interesting adventure about air conditioning. And by the way, I, I have to play this just because whenever I hear the word trampoline, Loren, this is what yep. I think of. <gasps> oh, my God. What is it? Trampoline. Trampoline. <laughs> Brett, no joke. We just got this trampoline a few weeks ago. Kind of one of those things we bought for restrictions and wondering what the summer was going to bring us and where we'd be able to go and can we at least turn the backyard into some sort of, you know, semi-playground or what have you. And my kids now know that phrase because we uttered it so much in the lead-up to the trampoline, pampoline pickup. <laughs> so even we were bouncing it on it yesterday and my youngest and I were like, trampoline, man, pampoline! 
And then, of course, he's like, Mom, can you do a 360? And I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you think to, like, where did you get the idea to put a sprinkler underneath? Their friends had done it last summer or something, and so that's all they want to do, which is not great for the grass underneath, although right now it's so dry, it's just soaking it up. But it is super fun, and it's I have to say it's the first time. It's so hot out that usually, you know, that sprinkler, you squeal when you kind of jump through Mm. it for the first time, or the garden hose, even if you're accidentally sprayed or someone jokingly sprays you while you're doing the flowers or something, it's too cold. Not yesterday, man. I was just like, I was ready just to lay down on top of it. That's how hot I felt. Well, I think I mentioned that we got rid of our swimming pool. We've, we'd had it here since we moved in, and and my my kids are water babies and are terrific swimmers because of the pool. But it was a, an underground pool or a underground above ground pool, and it was big enough. But my kids are six feet tall now, and it's four and a half feet deep. They want to be diving and jumping. So anyway, we took it out this year. Yesterday, Jackie says to Alexander, "Do you wish we had the pool today, Alexander?" Yeah. I don't know why we got rid of that thing. And it's like, really? (laughs) After three years of threatening you within an inch of your life to get in the damn thing, now on the hottest day in forever, (laughs) you're lamenting its loss? No, 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 no. Doesn't work like that, buddy. And you better forget. Uh, Anyway, there was a little bit of life lessons going on. Not about regret. Come on, kids. And taking advantage of things when you have them. Seize the day. That's what it's all about. Carpe diem, baby. Carpe diem. That was our that was our theme at grad. So grad's gonna be one of our topics today. I think it was seize the day. It was one of our sayings. We're gonna talk to a graduate at seven forty five because once again, schools closing uh, or you know sticking with remote learning and not reopening to Winnipeg, Brandon, and other kids until September. So we've got a grad. Do it. That's pretty disappointed with that. You can imagine, you know, your lead up to the ceremony and all the rest. You're excited for putting on the putting on the Ritz, putting on the tux or whatever it might be, and he doesn't get to do it. And then the heat, man. I think we was it 86 the last time we would have seen a June 4th that had a possible temperature like this. We're going back decades, I think. So today could be a record breaker. Brett, are you going to walk home? Uh, you know what? Today I drove, but not because of the heat. I drove because when I ordered my cab, it said it was like seven minutes out. And I thought, ah, to hell with that. I'm not going to wait around for this. I'll just drive to work. Um, but I probably will be happy to have the car because, you know, even yesterday when I walked home, uh, mm-hmm. I was a sweaty mess when I got home. So <laughs> I haven't adjusted to this heat yet. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm not going to say it's too hot. I'm not going to be, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm excited. The heat is cool. In a way, but uh, yeah, I I skipped the walk today. So yeah. Uh, also, we should just quickly mention GMAC uh, Mark, uh, as I like to say, Mark Skahifale out for four games. Okay, I'm doing my best to keep this first segment positive. So yes, Mark Scheifele got suspended four games by the National Hockey League yesterday. He will not be in the lineup tonight or for the next three games. Should the Jets take the series that fall that far? Uh, Paul Stastny's status is also in question. So uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you're listening this morning, buddy, the spotlight is on you. Here's an opportunity for you to jump up and grab uh, some stardom and to uh, prove to those who doubt you whether or not uh, you are the center of the future of this team. So I'm going to leave it there for now. How's that? We have... Hustler coming up at 6.55 with today's Jets update. we got the best of Paul Maurice at 7.20 and the keys to the game with Cam Poitras at 8.11. And by the way, Greg, do your boys know that whenever you impersonate them that... <laughs> you, hey, Dad, uh, I wish we had the pool, Dad. 
Well, yeah, they know all about it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have, speak have you that heard way their, right to them. Right have you heard their them. impersonation of Greg? <laughs> Guys, you got to just seize the day. You can't just, you got to get out there. Do the, I don't know, I'm making it up, but I'm sure they've got their own dad impersonation. Mm, I'm sure. And I'm, 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 I'm intent on finding out what that sounds like now that you've mentioned it. We want to start with the fact that the Premier, Loren, says Manitobans will soon get a glimpse of the province's reopening roadmap. And this is something businesses, Manitobans, basically everybody have been calling for for weeks, if not months now, just trying to find a, what's the way out of this. If we do this, we get that. What are the target dates? What are we looking towards? And so there are still many questions left to be answered because while no specifics were released, Premier Brian Pallister says you can expect more benefits if you've been vaccinated. Global's Brittany, let me try that again. Global's Brittany Greenslate now with the details. For the first time in more than a year, fans were back cheering on the Jets in person. But being fully vaccinated was a requirement and one Premier Brian Pallister says Manitobans can expect to see more of in the near future at least for an interim period. As far as additional uh, rewards for people, I, I would expect in the reopening strategy there's going to be some reference to the benefits that would accrue to people who've uh, got that second vaccine for sure. Pallister's government will release its reopening plans next week, which he hinted will be closely tied to vaccination rates. I do think that it is important to put that hope in the window. And I do think it's really important to understand that the limiting factor for all of us now is, is really uh, vaccine levels. Ethicist Arthur Schaefer says it's a measure that could prove useful in increasing vaccine uptake. I think it'll, it'll uh, provide an extra fillip, uh, 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 not just a nudge, but a strong push. Is it coercive? Yes, sort of, uh, but uh, none of us has uh, 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 the liberty to expose others to, uh, to danger. Schaefer says that while everyone has the right to make their own decisions, they also have to live with the consequences that could arise from them. If there's a, a small number who can't be persuaded and who simply refuse, their right to refuse should be respected, though they may find that there are some activities in which they're, from which they're going to be excluded uh, if, unless they can prove they've been vaccinated. He added, there also needs to be accommodations made for those who are unable to get the vaccine for medical reasons. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. So here we are in Manitoba, dependent on other provinces for health care, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and soon Alberta. Our premier seems to be very well versed in the restrictions of other provinces and how COVID-19 has been handled in other jurisdictions, how other provinces are handling enforcement of those restrictions he seems to suggest that we have the most strict and stringent and we're the best in leading here and leading there yet saskatchewan on may 4th may 4th delivered its reopening plan business have been clamoring for this document this plan for at least that long loren and brett and here we are Middle of June, essentially, first week, end of the first week of June, and we're still waiting for Manitoba's opening plan when we know that we need to encourage people to think about their reasons for getting vaccinated. It just seems awfully odd that we're waiting so long on these things that seem to be effective in other places. 
There's one part of me that thinks the reason why it hasn't come out yet is because of the situation in our hospitals. Part of me thinks, okay, we put out a reopening plan now when we're still sending Manitobans out of province. Well, we're in many ways, we're so not there yet. You know, we're adding, we've added provinces to the list. No other, you want to compare ourselves to other provinces? Well, no other provinces had to send people out of province like we have, right? So that's another comparison we need to think of. But I do think you're right. If we do this, we get that. That's, that's the carrot that needs to be dangled, I think, for many people. Whether you're hesitant, whether you're on the fence, whether you're completely not on board at all, I think, forget, you know, um, gift cards and money brat or a beer or donut, although, you know, I'd probably take all those things at my second shot if they were offered to me. Uh, people need to know the way out of this is hopefully by August 1st or hopefully by August 15th, if 70% are vaccinated or 90 or 80, whatever the number is, this is where we will get. Where we're at right now, 18 plus, we're just shy of 67% vaccinated. Again, that's that's the one dose for most for the most part. And so that's we've got a long way to go for talking double vaccinations and, and needing to get people into this now. So I, I do like no I do like targets and I work well with them. And I think that most Manitobans would too, Brett. Yeah, I agree. And I think that most Manitobans are kind of, they've had it with the, a lot of the messaging, for, particularly from the premier. And I get it. You know, he's trying to be stern and wants to let us know we got we have to do this. But a lot of people see his his tone as belligerent and they, they've just had it. Like they're tired of being talked scolded uh, for whatever the case may be and a lot of people just aren't listening to that message anymore so I think instead let's make it a positive message here's what we can look forward to this is this is our hope if you do this we get that and uh, I want to see this plan ASAP so hopefully it comes out uh, sooner than later so we can get on with this uh, because yeah I don't want to lose our nobody wants to lose our entire summer and I get that nobody wants to lose more Manitobans as well and we're all doing like most of us are doing the best we can to follow the health order we all the three of us raced out and got our vaccine as quickly as possible uh so hopefully soon right now we want to ask you the question what is your favorite guilty pleasure food you know the food you know that is just wrong but you don't care because it's good 204-780-6868. Shoot us a text for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. Loren, why are we talking about this? Well, my kids are still in school. We haven't moved to remote learning where we are. So we're at that stage in the game of the school year where lunches are just like, I'm done. Like, I'm done making them. And quite frankly, I got some honest feedback the other day from my oldest. He said, do you think we could just maybe... Like have something else besides a wrap tomorrow? He says very sweetly because that's all I've been making. So I was like, fine. So I pull, I got a little bit of audio there and this is what got me started, Brad. I've dropped it into the wheel. I pulled out some pizza pops. They love pizza pops. And there's something wrong about a meal that you can create in just, you know, here, hit it. Yeah. Two minutes. When you can make a lunch in two minutes flat, I don't know if that's right. But then all I could think about all day long was those dreamy pizza pops that I'd popped into a thermos. I was like, I need them. I want them. I want 10 of them. I want to bake them. I want to put them in the microwave. I'll eat them cold. I don't care. And I said to you guys, there's just some foods that feel wrong. It's like a guilty pleasure. I don't know if there's real meat in there. I don't know if there's real cheese. I know it's a Made in Manitoba original, so we should be proud of it. But the pizza pop as a 43-year-old felt wrong. 
the other day for dinner, I had for dinner I had a box of old Dutch ripple <laughs> chips and uh, 500 milliliters of sour cream with yes. two packs of onion soup. <laughs> that was my dinner, <laughs> and I make no apologies for it. It took you let more time to make that chip dip than it did for me to make that pizza pop. I feel like the time limit on supper there's got to be at least six minutes involved or three steps. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's fair. I mean, because well, you got to in the freezer. Gotta... That's one. Uh-huh. Take it out of the pack. That's yeah. two. Put it in the microwave. Three. All right. And take you it out. Sl- take it out of the oh, microwave. Four that's four step meal. Four step, four step and then meal. Eat, eat it. So that's five. step plan. Burn yeah. your tongue and start. <laughs> six. We got a six step pizza pop. <laughs> so, Cam Poitras, what's your favorite uh, guilty pleasure food? Well, pizza pops, they're, they're not actually food, they're sustenance. I'd like to uh, make that clear. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's got to be potato chips, bar none. That's my number one. That's my biggest crutch in the world. And, and we've gone through this before. I like low-sodium, regular <laughs> ripple chips. I don't like any I, – I, I've never turned down a chip. I love all chips, all flavor, but the best ones are just regular ripple, no dip, not, not wasting my time with sour cream and French onion. You just got to shove as many as possible into your face <laughs> as quick. And you got to put them away. You grab a handful – and then you go walk away, and you yeah. put it back in. You put them back, back in the pantry, yeah. and you just like <laughs> cookie monster them. And then you start thinking, <laughs> oh, those those chips are still in the pantry, and there's still some left. And you go over there, and you grab another handful, and you put it back. You you, you fold it up, and you put it back in the pantry, and you walk away, sit back on the couch, and they're gone in about three seconds. And then you go. I think there's still some chips left in that pantry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Cam, it sounds like you described me whenever I have potato chips in my home. So that's I'm glad to see that I'm not the only person who does that. Uh, Jeff Brun. I can't even walk down the chip aisle at the grocery store anywhere anymore. That that's defense number one is just don't walk near them, so you mm-hmm. hopefully won't buy them. But for me, my biggest crutch has always been bread. I love bread, and uh, in, in terms of ridiculous meals, I would often buy a loaf of French bread and cut up some cheese and eat the loaf of bread and the slices of cheese, and that would be yeah. supper. I haven't I, done that in a long time. That's classy. Time, though, that's French. You're oh. like a Parisian. That's classy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and then I'd wake up like at two in the morning with a bellyache. I'd wake up at two in the morning with a bellyache wondering yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so good. It was so good, just like the movie Popcorn, where I get them to put butter on it, and then I add the buttery-flavored topping that's essentially recycled motor oil, and then I put the white cheddar <laughs> shaker on it. It tastes so good, but then my gut, it wants, it just hurts so much afterward, every single time. And I don't care, because it's Have good. Have you ever looked at your clothes after you go to a movie? Like, I can't get over the oil that comes out of that popcorn. Even if you don't drop any popcorn on you, it's like it's coming out of your pores and oh, yeah. staining your this clothes. This is the it's- trick. Put napkins on your lap and then put the bag on your, the napkins oh. instead of right on your pants. Because yeah, I, yeah, I've I, ruined enough shorts and jeans with I, I left like a handprint from that on my <laughs> pants because I wiped my pants. <laughs> and uh, my fiance's looking at, what's wrong with your pants? There's like a handprint on there. And I looked. Yeah, it was, it was from the movies. And I had a... Grease stain handprint on my pants. <laughs> you need to get a forensic scientist yes. in to lift a handprint off a can of pants from the butter. Uh, Mackling, what's yours? Oh, it will always be hot dogs uh, yes. for now and forever. Will be hot dogs. And uh, man, I'm going to be in trouble if there's a certain person listening this morning. The boys had their vaccinations last Saturday in Selkirk, and so I figured that was close enough to Winnipeg Beach to go to Salty's for a hot dog. 
and uh, completely in the opposite direction of my house. I had so much to do this weekend and did get a ton done last weekend. But uh, I looked at the boys. I looked at Jackie's. I said, who wants to go to Salty's for a hot dog? All the hands went up. And so we drove further north from the city, went, got our hot dogs, fries, onion rings, milkshakes, Hot dogs, hot dogs, and more hot dogs. I could eat them. You know, Fred Penner sings about sandwiches. If I was a children's entertainer, my song would be about hot dogs. And I don't care what's inside of them either. Thank you very much. Hey, speaking of... Do you feel guilty eating them? Sorry, Brett. Never, ever, ever, never feel guilty about eating them. Hey, speaking of Fred Penner, we actually got a voicemail uh, sung to the, the cat came back. So we should try to sneak that in uh, from the Jets cheer line at some point today. Uh, Jeff uh, Forte, what's your guilty pleasure food? Well, actually, I did something three weeks ago. I was woke up, was going to the kitchen. I was like, you know, I'm going to make a big breakfast, you know, eggs, bacon, hash browns, toast. So I put I start putting the bacon on and it was maple bacon, by the way. Yum. And I, I cooked the first batch. Get the second batch on while that second batch was cooking. I started eating the first batch (laughs) and then I ate the second batch and then I ate the third batch and I ate the rest of the bacon and I didn't even have eggs, hash brown, toast. I just ate the maple bacon. My apartment smelled like maple bacon. It was so good. You know what? I don't regret it. I have no the regrets. Whole pack? The whole pack? You ate the whole pack? I ate the whole pack. I'm so proud of you, boy, Jeff. I couldn't stop myself. Yes. I love that. That's the way to do it. You know, you, if you, you, I, I, I try whenever I make bacon, I try to just make like enough to go in one pan because I know if I have to make two loads, that first one's gone. Oh yeah, yeah, it's impossible to avoid. So good for you, Fortier. We salute you. <laughs> of course, game two, Greg. Game two of the North Division Final. Jets, Canadians. Yeah, and of course, the Jets will be without their top-line center for the majority, if not for the entirety of the rest of this second-round playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens. Here's a portion of the audio connected to the video from the NHL's Department of Player Safety. Late in the game with Montreal ahead and the Jets goalie pulled, the Canadians dumped the puck the length of the ice. Evans wins the race to the puck, with Shifley skating back hard through center. Evans picks up the puck and quickly moves to wrap it into the empty Winnipeg net. After the puck enters the net, Shifley, moving with excessive momentum gained from traveling a considerable distance, finishes his check violently and with unwarranted force into Evans, making significant head contact in the process and causing an injury. This is charging. It is important to note how charging is defined in the NHL rulebook. The relevant portion of the rule states, Charging shall mean the actions of a player who, as a result of distance traveled, shall violently check an opponent in any manner. It is also important to note that we have heard Shifley's argument that he gathers speed and maintains momentum in order to make a legitimate defensive play and attempt to prevent a goal from being scored. So that sets up the situation, which was Shifley's contention all along, that he was trying to prevent that goal by Evans. The league, in the end, really did not see it that way. However, as Evans comes around the net with the puck, Shifley does not attempt to make a play on the puck with his stick. Instead, he takes one hand off his stick, turns his shoulder, and loads up for contact. While players are not required to attempt to play the puck, on this play, Shifley's choice to not make a play on the puck tells us that he is conceding the empty net goal. This is also not a mere collision between two players attempting to occupy the same space on the ice. 
Instead, it is apparent to our department that his intention on this play is to deliver a hard, violent check to an opponent, with the outcome of both the play and the game already having been decided. In short, this is a player who has traveled a considerable distance, is moving with exceptional speed, and is fully aware of his momentum, who chooses to charge into a vulnerable opponent with a high, predatory hit that causes an injury. So pretty well-explained position from the NHL as to how they got to their decision and why they handed down this four-game suspension. It seems to take into account Shifley's lack of track record for doing anything like this before. Brett, we sent you, I sent you the video, you and Loren, and he, I, I thought I, I liked your reaction. I thought, yeah, I, I thought after watching the video, it was kind of tough to argue with their decision, especially the way they break it down and the way they show the slow motion replay and they explain at various moments in the video. You, you can see here he he doesn't have a stick on the ground. It's almost as though he's made up his mind that he's not going to make a play for the puck. Instead, he's just going to put his shoulder down. And I realized that it was a split-second decision, and he probably regretted it immediately afterward. But still, I thought this was good, and I think it was especially good that they uh, took the time to detail this explanation because it'll be helpful for people like me who aren't huge hockey fans who might not quite understand everything that's happening. Uh, So it made sense. But at the same time, at the end, when they say Mark Shifley has never been suspended or fined in his 500-plus career games... So we're suspending him for four games. That I I couldn't connect those dots. That seemed uh, that didn't make sense to me, Loren. What was your reaction to that? Well, that's that's just it. I don't think I don't have an issue with the suspension. I I did feel the explanation was good. I just as a fan, obviously, I'm not. You know, everybody has a different opinion based on what you know about the game. Maybe how you've played. Maybe you've been in that position before. Um, he certainly has not done anything like that on ice before. So I. I get that there was a suspension. I, as soon as I fought, saw four games, though, my immediate reaction was, that's insane. That is not what I expected to be handed down based on the suspensions they have or have not handed to other players who are considered the repeat offenders, who are considered the dirty players of the league. And so there's that inconsistency there that's difficult to grapple with. And it reminds me of like whenever I watch figure skating, you watch the judges come down and the Russians always get these high scores because the Russian judges favor the players on the ice. And you're like, what? Are you watching the same thing I'm watching? And it just, it felt, it almost feels personal, like judging Shifley separate from how they've judged others. And I, I it's not sitting well with me. Well, and it's four playoff games. So, you know, what is this in a regular season? Is it 20? Is it 40? What what is the ratio? Uh, There seems to be some debate in terms of how the NHL weighs regular season versus playoff games. And I would agree, Brett, with you on its own. The explanation, pretty good. Actually, I think it's excellent as a standalone judgment. But, Loren, I also agree with you with regard to when you compare it to some of the actions that players who seem to play within their own set of rules in the National Hockey League and the leniency that seems to have been shown to them over the years and some of the lack of action and some of the lack of determination of suspension over the years from the Department of Player Safety. This just feels like four games, four playoff games is right out of left field. It it, it seems as though... Uh, They're trying to make an example of Mark Shifley, and uh, they've really put the Jets in a tremendously horrendous situation. You could argue Shifley's done that on his own, but I did not anticipate a four-game suspension. Two games, 
maximum for a guy mm-hmm. who's never done anything like that before. But four games, boy, oh boy, to your top centerman. I know the league doesn't really take that into account, and maybe they shouldn't, the effect on the team overall and their ability to compete. But uh, just when you compare it to some of the other decisions over like the years, Ryan I, I think this, yeah, absolutely ludicrous. And, and you know, some of those things that Ryan Reeves got, Reeves got two games for basically slamming a, a an opponent's head into the ice. That's, that's right. That's more premeditated than anything Shifley did. Shifley's decision was, you could argue, split second, one or two seconds at the very most, and there's no history there. Reeves has a history, and when you go to a non-hockey action, like grabbing somebody's head and slamming it into the ice, I think that crosses a whole other boundary, a whole other line. So on its what do you own, think about Jason made a point here. The other problem with this statement is that there's an assumption the game was over when the hit was made. If Shifley actually sped up even one well, stride and the hit happens, the puck stays out. Is that, you know, was that part of the consideration or is it fair to say the game was over by then? Well, they're, they're saying based on Shifley's action by not going for the puck that he's conceding the goal, that his intention is to deliver a hit, not to prevent a goal. Right. And so that that language, I think, is important. When I think of my high school graduation, I think of grad night, grad dinner, and how I mustered up the courage to ask out this girl, Tanya. I really liked her. So she came with me, and we had a good time. And then I eventually asked her out, out, and she rejected me, and I was heartbroken. And uh, later on, I was telling a story to my buddy, uh, and I said, Tanya, and he says, well, hang on a second. Tanya, who we work with, Tanya, or Tanya, who ruined your life, Tanya? And <laughs> I said, no, it was Tanya, we work with, uh, Tanya. Anyway, my point is, none of these, like, this is now a very amusing memory for me. And none of that mm-hmm. would have happened if this was, you know, the COVID times. Yeah, I think there's so many things that, the the, the things that you at the time, don't absorb as such key moments in your life or just great memories, great laughs, whatever. They all come, so many of them come out of school. And so with students in Winnipeg and Brandon and Winkler and several other communities sticking with remote learning or in the case of Morden, moving to remote learning for what seems like the rest of the year, grad plans and those memories may not happen as many had planned. That dress that was bought, that suit or tux, it might not be worn, at least not as many imagined it might be grad night is changing and tyler davidson is in that boat he's a grade 12 student at fort richmond collegiate and he's joined us this morning to explain how he's feeling good morning tyler morning thank you for having me on well thanks for taking the time i know it's been a real up and down year and just for a reminder to our listeners high school students of course have had a combination of in-class and remote learning all year but when winnipeg students were moved to full-time remote learning last month did you see this day coming like a day when they would say you're not going back to class for good i never thought i could see it coming no i never thought i'd be able to see that my high school experience would end like this what were you hoping your grab would look like tyler um well i was really hoping just to graduate with my friends a lot of these people i've been going to school with since kindergarten and this would have been our final hurrah if you could put it that way and now i am going to be behind a computer screen on microsoft teams 
Tyler, I don't want to make this any more depressing, but there are people in my life who, uh, quite frankly, I've not seen since high school graduation. People who were good friends, people I was close with for, if not all the way through junior high and high school, at least through high school. So I feel for you, man. This is a, a tough situation. And what were you, you know, planning? What did you have already done? Because, I mean, the planning takes weeks and weeks, tuxedo suit, uh, limo, like how far down the road had you been in terms of, of planning your, your graduation night? I was really far down the road. I had already bought my suit. I had already gotten it shipped to me. It's in my closet right now, just collecting dust at the moment. What kind of suit was it, by the way? It was a three-piece. Oh, three-piece. What color? Black. Yep. Classic. So what's the plan now? The plan now for grad is a, uh, we're going to do a drive through convocation of my school. And uh, the dinner and dance that we were supposed to have is now going to be a party on teams. So instead of uh, dancing with my friends, I'm going to be uh, doing trivia. Oh, it's so hard to hear because I can I can hear it in your voice, Tyler. I mean, it's obviously just not the way anyone would want to end their high school year. And of course, there'll be better times ahead, but graduation's a big deal. I'm just of all the things you've gone through as a student over the past year, what's just been the most challenging part? You mentioned this will be a virtual ceremony. There's been so much stuff done on screens. What's been the hardest thing for you? Oh, that's so hard to narrow it down. There's been so many things. Uh, not just being able to be in class in the environment the remote learning and everything like that, and along with so many things I've missed out on. I was supposed to go to California this year for a school trip, all the sports I missed, all the school events, parties. All of it didn't happen this year. Yeah, the sports and all the the things that galvanize your relationships and and grow you as a person, the travel that has been become so common in high school now, life-changing events that, that you've been denied – looking forward what have you got planned for the fall tyler and this uh next uh next segment of your life now as disappointing as this one is ending yeah no for this summer just going to be um working trying to buy myself a car for the first time um not going to school in the fall going to school the second entry date hopefully in january february i'll be uh, going to mitt for carpentry nice good for you that's awesome congratulations that you know, I know it's hard to look at the last year and, and pull out the positives, Tyler. But is there any good takeaway from from this? Is there something that you've learned that will always stick with you? Because that's what this past fifteen is, months have been about. Whether you're seventeen, eighteen, or eighty-seven, we've all learned something. What do you do? You have a lesson that you take away from this past year? Well, with all this thinking I've had to do with COVID, being locked in my room for months on end now, I've just definitely got a lot of time to think about myself and just work on myself which i think is really important that a lot of people don't get a chance to do it a lot of times how has the remote learning been for you because i know uh, that if i had to do remote learning i think i would have had a really hard time with it uh, because uh, the classroom environment uh, I, I certainly benefited from that i I, t- I tended to be quiet and internal so having people around kind of helped me learn better so having to learn at home has it been good for you or, or not so good no, I'm definitely in the same boat as you. Um, I learn best face-to-face uh, right in front of a teacher, so definitely at this home stuff, it's been a challenge, and I've had to take that extra step just to catch up and keep up with my classes. 
Last one for you here, Tyler, uh, really quick. Uh, so many people, I know uh, when my kids found out they weren't going to have exams, they were elated. But I've heard from other generations, oh, they're getting off easy, uh, no exams. I, I'm guessing you would prefer to be writing the exams and have all the experiences that are the trade-off. Not exactly. No, I uh, I have no problem with the no exams. Yeah, I, think <laughs> uh... I love the honesty. Hey, and Tyler, because we know your dad, Chuck, are, do they get to be in the yeah. background of the team's graduation? Like, are mom and dad dressing up to sit behind you, or can you get away from embarrassing mom and dad moments at least like this? Oh, I don't know, but I think my mom deserves it. That she's more upset about this than anyone. Aww. Yeah. Tyler Davidson, grade 12 student at Fort Richmond Collegiate. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate uh, the insight into what you're going through. No problem. Thank you. We shift gears to First Nations communities across the country are calling for help in investigating former residential school grounds for possible burial sites. It was just over a week ago that the remains of 215 children were reportedly found after a preliminary survey of the grounds of a former Kamloops residential school. Since then, calls have been growing louder for a full investigation into dozens of other schools in Lorraine. I think we would be naive, blind, ignorant, to put it bluntly, to imagine that this is an isolated incident or situation. No, it's been suggested by many within uh, the First Nations communities and also those who work uh, at this kind of war, people whose jobs it is to, to dig up the information that there might, might not be more situations like this out there. Now, just west of us in Brandon, there is already a well-known cemetery connected to a former residential school in the Wheat City. Years ago, that was land was sold, and then at one point along the way, it's been turned into a campground. Calls are growing louder to take that land back. Global's Marnie Blunt was in Brandon yesterday to learn more and joins us now. Good morning, Marnie. Good morning. Tell me where this is. What what section of land in Brandon are we talking about? So it's just slightly northwest of the city. It's just probably about a three-minute drive outside of the city. It's um, Turtle Crossing Campground. That's where they believe there are 54 graves that are of residential school children that are now underneath that campground. Now, it's very close to the uh, former Brandon Residential School. There's I visited there yesterday as well, and there's the building itself isn't left. There's just a little bit of rubble of the foundation, but there's now been a little memorial set up there with children's shoes and tobacco and flowers and stuffed animals, um, people remembering the lives lost because they can't go to that uh, site under the campground to remember the children that are now buried there. So what are community members saying, Marnie? Well, they're calling for the site for years now. They've been calling for this site to be protected. Um, the site did used to have a marker there to identify where it was and a plaque, but after years of... Uh, the city sold it years ago and then it changed ownership a few times and now that has since been lost. So they want the city to now buy that land back and preserve it while the First Nation decides a proper way to uh, um, use the land and commemorate the lives lost. Uh, Jennifer Moore Rattray has family buried at that grave at Turtle Crossing Campground and she's been pushing for years to have that area protected. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. David Moore was seven years old. When he died, he survived three months at Brandon Residential School. Um, my great aunt Lydia, uh, his, his older sister, was 13. 
she survived one year at the school. So the fact that they were stolen from their family, uh, the fact that they died as a result of attending residential school, and then the ultimate indignity is not even in death are they at peace, not even in death are they at rest, because they have vacationing campers on top of where they're buried. So Marnie, is taking this land back or perhaps buying this land back an option? And what is the city of Brandon saying about either one of those options? Well, they say they've been working with the Sioux Valley Dakota First Nation and the campground owner for a number of years now, but COVID-19 has actually delayed that process. Um, As for buying the land back, uh, Mayor Rick Crest says it's not off the table. We're committed to um, taking the direction from the First Nation. Like We we believe it's important that uh, this be done in, uh, in keeping with their cultural practices, the wishes of the families and the home communities and sort of as soon as we get that established then the next steps will take place uh, should it be purchased who should who should own it should it be the city should it be a first nation should it be back at federal hands uh, some of those um, issues need to be uh, resolved and soon and now this uh, burial site underneath this campground isn't the only one in the area. Uh, Sioux Valley Dakota First Nation has identified another one on their own land. And then they believe there's another one that's on land that's currently owned by a research center. This is all in very, very close vicinity. Um, they believe there's a total of at least possibly 104 graves in that area, but only 78 of them are actually accounted for through burial and cemetery records. Marnie, can I ask, do we, I'm sorry, Brett, I was just going to say, you know, when you talk about the records, how much of that is an issue? Like we need, there's talks to get this land back. We want to make sure that people get their peaceful and rightful burial. But then there's the question of matching these remains to the potential documents and the challenge of figuring out just who exactly is there. Yeah, and that is a big issue. They've been going through uh, research, archive footage, um, and survivor accounts is basically what they have to go off to find this. But again, that's the big issue of why they want to uh, also preserve this land and not have people camping on top of it so they can actually work to identify just how many graves and uh, children are buried here and uh, identify who is in there and who their families were and what communities they came from. Global's Marnie Blunt joining us live on 680 CJOB. Marnie, thank you very much for this. Thank you. And Marnie will have more on that story tonight on Global News at 6 on Global Winnipeg. Rob in St. James says one of my favorite guilty pleasure foods is craft dinner with extra cheese slices thrown yes, in for a more creamy that's mac. That's how you do it. And then ketchup. Lots of ketchup added and sometimes eaten right out of the pot to yeah. save on dishes. I, I, I usually mix in extra cheddar cheese, but the cheese slice, I've never tried that. Loren, you, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. And I'm only making, this is what I do. I only make it for the kids. And when they were younger, I used to also add peas to it to make myself feel better. Like, you're getting <laughs> vegetables. And they would kind of like eat some of the peas and eat around it. But the greatest joy now is when there's the leftover, that they don't have all of it in the pot. And then you can be like, well, you can't let that go. To- I guess I could put it in a Tupperware container, but I could also eat it. And then I do. <laughs> Sometimes I make extra just so I know there'll be some leftover for me to eat. <laughs> so we'll give away that $20 gift certificate in our next segment. 
Gabrielle Marchand is here. Gab with Gabby. Global News Morning. Hello there, Gabby. Good morning. I want to pot a craft dinner right now. I actually, one time added a spoonful of cheese whiz. I don't really like cheese whiz on toast or anything, but if you put it in craft dinner, it's so good. Interesting. It's really good. Toast and jam. Toast and jam. I love my cheese whiz with toast and jam. You have to try that, Gabby. <laughs> that was like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. I like that. Toast and jam and cheese whiz this morning, kids. So craft dinner then, Gabby, would be one guilty pleasure food for you with the cheese whiz. What else pops to mind? I'm sure you've got a couple. Oh, I have so many and they're all so bad. I was telling you guys this morning, you talked about pizza pops. I like the no-name brand pizza pockets. They almost look like little saucers and there's extra dough. (laughs) So they're extra chewy coming out of the microwave. They are so good. Mm. So I mean, I'm offended by the pocket name, but I do like the idea of what you're eating there. That sounds good. <laughs> Why are you offended by that? I don't know. She said this this morning. And I was like, that's not what they're called. It's like when somebody, uh, <laughs> like, I know that you can't, they couldn't legally call them Pizza Pops either or Pizza Pops <laughs> Part 2. Like, they had to come up with their own name to to spin off the pop but it's like nobody says i'm using tissue or tissue by scotty's like it's all kleenex you know yeah so it's just a brand is all i'm saying okay well yeah i mean the mccain pizza pocket was a thing i i thought it was the hot pocket but then gabby pointed out that there were actual uh pizza pockets Mm. i'm a psycho so i googled and found him a picture also just sorry have you guys ever tried charleston shoes that's my other guilty pleasure i push them on everybody at this office you can only really get them at halloween Oh, what are they called? I don't Charleston know what that is. Chew. I don't think it's sort of like Charleston. a cheap vanilla nougat covered by cheap chocolate. <laughs> but I think the value is incredible. A bag's like five dollars. You get like 200 in there and they're so good. Hmm. Not ever seen this before. I think I see. I seem to remember this. Did you push this on me? I at did. Halloween? I think I threw some at you. I actually have a bag. <laughs> I stocked up on bags and I have one in my apartment that I'm still I'm rationing. I'm slowly eating through the Charleston chew. So I'll send some. Maybe I'll send some by post to Loren and Greg so they can experience the chew. <laughs> Not really. You didn't sell me on cheap vanilla nougat covered by it. cheap vanilla chocolate. <laughs> Greg's in. I'm out. Uh, I'm in. I, I've got to pick up. I, I, I won uh, some contest at work and I've got to pick up. Uh, my winnings uh, next week. So if you can include that in the gift bag, that would be outstanding, Gabrielle. I am on it. What's your favorite thing to do, Gabby? Alone. (laughs) That's part of the question. What's your favorite thing to do alone? During this pandemic, maybe you guys can relate to this. I've realized that I don't really like being alone and I've been spending so much time alone in my apartment. So I had to come up with a hobby and I don't really have many skills that translate into hobbies. So I bought a coloring book recently. Well, it's supposed to be watercolor painting, but I couldn't paint within the line. So now I'm using pencil crayons. You found you got pencil crayons? Yeah. Did you go out and buy them or did you just have them? No, I did. I went out and bought them because the watercoloring in the lines wasn't really working for me. What what brand of uh, pencil crayons did you get? Uh, They were just like a known. I always stick to no name. I think this segment is very telling about me. (laughs) Not Crayola, not Laurentian. She just it's pizza pocket pencil crayons. Pizza pockets and pencil crayons. The story of my life. Did did, what do you guys like to do alone? I'm curious. I like to 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 read. Reading movies? Just about anything I can. <laughs> Mackling just wants some time alone, and he'll take it wherever he can. Uh, yeah, I like going to the movies alone. Uh, matinees in particular are cool. Uh, Loren, you said you like to read on a hammock, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I just want uninterrupted reading. I get that you can read at any point in time, but I just want to be able to do it without interruptions. And so sometimes that's my favorite thing to do alone, because then I know I can get through the book. What are you reading right mm-hmm. now? Are you reading anything? 
Yeah, but here's the problem. I have a Kindle with about 100 books on it, and I can never tell you what book, like the name of the book at all, because you're not constantly picking up the book to see the cover. So I'm reading a book right now about a, a search, long-lost search for a missing family member, and they're all going to reconnect at some point along the way, and I'm, I'm guessing there'll be like a romance thing. I have, But I don't have a hot clue what the title is. You need a you need a schedule in your house, Loren, because do you remember, I don't know if you guys had this in school, I'm the old guy here, USSR, it was called Uninterrupted Sustained Silent Reading. Yeah. You'd have that like what? 15 minutes every single day. And I guess it was grade two, grade three, grade USSR. four. USSR. So. <laughs> USSR. Oh my gosh. Quiet time. Next level. Wow. Yep. Yep. I think that was just for the teachers to go out and get a uh, smoke break myself. But kudos. <laughs> now, uh, one of the things we talked about with the heat warning in effect, what's the hottest you've ever experienced? Like whether it's the hottest place you've ever been or just maybe you got beaten by the heat. I took some time to find myself after high school, a.k.a. I didn't have a hot clue of what I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, I worked in a restaurant for a long time. And then I went to Brazil for about eight months of my life. And uh it is extremely warm there. There were many months where I uh, was a, I was pretty much a lobster the whole time there. I mean, I'm like Loren where slather me up with sunscreen, baby. Mm-hmm. How much it's SPF? What do you use, Loren? SPF? I need like SPF 279. Two. 442. Yesterday, did I tell you guys I discovered that my at 15 that I sillyly have around, sillyly, stupidly have around the house had expired in 2011. So not only is it 15, which isn't getting you anywhere, it, it's uh, 10 years old. It's 10, well, it's expired it, 10 years ago. It probably on. means Does I it bought it in 2008. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that can't be good for the skin to throw on something that may contain ah. bezoblaseline, polyclite, right? And stearate. <laughs> that doesn't not, not to mention ascorbic acid. Because they're not that's real. 10 things. years old. <laughs> You know what, though? It's oil-free. I'm looking at it right now. So I feel like all, all is well with the expired December 2011. Still smells great, though. <laughs> I'm just looking at something on the internet here. It calls anything claiming to have an SPF value greater than 50 is, quote-unquote, inherently misleading. <laughs> anything more than SPF 50? There. Did you say anything more than SPF 50? Yeah, anything claiming to be more than SPF 50 is, quote-unquote... <laughs> inherently oh, misleading yeah we've i've heard that before i i never quite know how high i, I think actually the, the stuff i got was spf 50 so gabrielle marshawn always a pleasure thank you for the visit thank you guys happy friday stay cool get a slurpee and gabby cool, hosts gabby. global news morning weekdays six to nine on global winnipeg <laughs> mackling mcgarry McNabb. hey happy birthday by the way to our manager heather yeah. Steele. what do you call her loren Steeler, Steeler Stairs, Hezzy, Hezzy. I got a lot of nicknames for her. I'm trying out Hezzy right now for Heather. <laughs> do you, do you, I love nicknames. Hezzy and the Hizzy. I like to call Brett Brettley, but it hasn't caught on with anyone but me. Oh, no, I have a couple of buddies who call me Brettley. Oh, and really? I had, and somebody in, in Crecom used to call me uh, Brettley T. Oh, why didn't I think of that? That's yeah, so Brett great. Lee Gregorio, Creek. Brettley T, Scarp, Scarp, Scarp. <laughs> Fantastic, Joe Scarpelli. <laughs> uh, texting at 204-780-6868, gift card, Santa Lucia pizza, your favorite guilty pleasure food. Fortier talked about how he went to make bacon and eggs and stuff, and he just ended up making an entire pack of bacon, and good for you, Jeff Fortier. Scott says, I've cooked up a whole frying pan of sautéed mushrooms and 
had just that for supper. I think that I'm due again. Or Michelle Trudeau. Listen to the discipline here. She says, my guilty pleasure is a fat boy and a side of poutine. I only allow myself one order a summer because, well, you know why. So bad, but oh, so good. One a summer, Michelle? I salute your discipline. My goodness. Um, And then Lloyd, with a great local reference here, pierogies from Lanky's in Grand Marais. Greg, you mentioned Salty's in Winnipeg Beach, Sandy Hook area, but Lanky's in Grand Marais, another cool spot. But... uh, we got to jump ahead to the winner here, Greg. Can you please read Aaliyah's text for the win? Do I have to do it with a straight face? Um, <clears throat> however I'm you like. Try. Okay. Please don't make fun of me. So when I when I was a little kid, we had a dog, and I used to take little bits of our dog's milk bones and use them as biscuits to play pretend with my tea set. I remember enjoying them, and obviously got in trouble from my parents for eating dog biscuits so naturally that made me want to eat them more fast forward me as a teenager and even occasionally as an adult and i still get weird cravings to eat a bite or two of a milk bone (laughs) and i do (laughs) guess that's a guilty pleasure lol just a really weird craving i'm not that embarrassed about it Aaliyah, you do you friend you what did they you. taste like? I we have some in the. I'm I'm not gonna go try it, but I'm not gonna pretend we'll like I haven't out. looked at a milk bone and thought I feel like that looks tasty. Why does Moose want it so much? Yeah, the dogs like it. I mean, he'll eat garbage too, and paper and wood <laughs> and I, dirt. He sniffs his own Butt? messes yes. every single time. He's yes. eat, he eats grass. <laughs> you have styrofoam. to wonder what's in them. We have often said that many of our best stories come from you, our listeners. You know, all of the text messages, the stories you tell in our contests, they are truly amazing. The things you see, issues you're frustrated with, the things which need to be changed, but also a good dose of, hey, this needs to be celebrated. Yeah, and I got an email from listener Theodore Tukaluk. And Theo felt this story was a feel-good Friday type of story, along with a solid dose of public awareness. I'm just going to read part of the email he sent us. I used to be a roofer in my younger days. Can you imagine being a roofer today? That's uh, not from uh, the email. That's on a hot day like today. Uh, So uh, salute everybody working outside today. This goes back two weeks tomorrow. I received a text from an old neighbor of mine advising that his friend had a leaking roof from a recent rain and if I could go and check it out. I went later that afternoon and found what appeared to be appeared to be a new roof. Long story short, the job was horrible, a mix of bad materials, bad application and not using very important materials to keep all the water out, Loren. Yeah, so joining us this morning to share with us what came after that discovery of that bad materials, bad application, all the, the the things that weren't done right in that job, is Chris Popel, who's the concerned neighbor who reached out to Theodore. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are we doing? Chris, I'm going to ask you both this. Chris, your last name is pronounced? Popel. Popel. Good. On the fly. And also on the line is Derek Coley of Agassi Roofing. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Coley or Coley? I'm sorry about doing this cold. 
Macaulay. That's okay. There we go. Okay, so Chris, this sounds like the kind of neighborly concern which makes our city more livable. Let's just start off with what you were experiencing and what you were seeing with your neighbor, Chris. I, you know, I just uh, showed up, uh, and look at like the email says, uh, it looked like a new roof, but uh, kind of after my inspection, uh, there was no uh, underlayment on the roof, which was uh, causing all the leaking in, in this gentleman's kitchen, and uh, you know, it felt like you got taken advantage of uh, by a little bit, and uh, you know, felt we needed to kind of help out here. Derek, this man looked to have been doing the right thing to maintain his home. What kind of shape was his quote-unquote new roof in? So, yeah, when Chris contacted me, I said, oh, I'll go check it out and see what's going on there. And, I mean, to the eye, it, it looks like a new roof. Um, but then when you kind of inspect it and kind of lift some shingles, um, kind of saw that um, the ice and water shield which goes along the eaves just wasn't applied properly. It was missing in spots. Um, the shingles themselves, they weren't sealed. So shingles usually after even just a winter day with the sun beating on it, it, it seals up. But I could literally lift every single shingle up. Um, and just it, it just wasn't a very good installation of, of materials, and the materials used weren't um weren't that good either so um that's where we're at that doesn't sound great uh hey chris tell us a little bit about your neighbor himself uh a little bit of an older gentleman and and dealing with uh, some health issues as well correct that's correct so uh when i'd gone over uh you know he's walking around in a little bit of a a walking boot and uh you know his home care is kind of coming over right now um, so I, I felt that uh, he was a bit of uh, an e- easy target to take advantage of. And, you know, a lot of these people kind of spread their goodwill. And unfortunately, it falls on some unfavorable hands. So uh, that's kind of why I reached out to uh, Derek there over at Agassi Roofing and, you know, kind of shared uh, my vision with him on, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, and from there, he just jumped on board within five minutes and uh, the whole kind of project's come to fruition. So who delivered the news to the neighbor that uh, this roof was happening, that, that you're going to make the changes? Uh, that, that was me. Uh, I'd known the guy for all a half an hour, and it uh, just felt like the right thing to do at the right time. We got a lot of stuff to deal with uh, in everyone's lives right now, and you know, if we can take one last uh, stressor off of them, uh, you know, we can make a difference. What's the consumer awareness piece here, Derek? And, and hey, uh, pat on the back uh, virtually for you for stepping up here and making something right for somebody that was clearly wronged. But what is the consumer awareness piece here, that, that message that you wanted to get out today with so many people doing so many projects around their homes? Yeah, for sure. So, unfortunately, the roofing industry in Manitoba is fairly unregulated, uh, meaning anyone with a truck and a ladder can start a roofing company tomorrow. Um, with that being said, comes kind of people who m- may not know exactly how to install things properly. Um, so the best piece of advice is uh, get multiple quotes from uh, reputable companies who have uh, kind of an online presence, multiple reviews uh, left on multiple channels. Um, and you should be fairly safe. And as long as you're comparing apples to apples on estimates, 
um, you should be pretty comfortable with uh, with getting a good quality roof put on. Um, so that's uh, that's probably the best advice I can give is. Absolutely. I will jump in here, Derek. I know I've had a, a roof or two done over the years just through word of mouth as well, but with people that I, I really trust and a, a job that I can go and take a, a look at. So that there are some people out there that do a great job that don't necessarily have that online presence, but it makes it Absolutely. trickier for you to go out and, and sort of get their credentials, so to speak. Correct. Yes. Yes. What I guess too, on the researching front, um, it, I'm the kind of person who has a tendency to over-research uh, to the point where I have a hard time making a decision because I'm so debilitated by my indecision. So, But that, that sounds like it could be a tricky thing because if you got to get your roof done, that could be a time-sensitive thing, uh, Derek. Oh, so, sure. so Yeah, so I mean, everyone has uh, pretty much the internet at their hands now, so it's fairly easy to research things, but it's it's also easy to get... Um, kind of overflown with with information and all that. So, um, I mean, a, a roofer generally can explain kind of the basics and then uh, the materials and stuff like that. And then from there, you can do some research on on those that uh, that they're quoting on. It's good advice, Derek and Chris. Before we let you guys go, I just, you know, it just all started with you just reaching out saying, hey, like I'm worried about my neighbor and his roof and the bad job that he had there. How are you feeling this morning knowing that at least all's well that ends well with, with the efforts that you put in? I, I feel good about it. And I know uh, Derek feels good about it. We actually just dropped off all the material yesterday afternoon and uh, smiles all around, you know. We kind of have the mentality that, uh, you know, what one person can't change the world, but, uh, you know, maybe we can kind of change the world for one person or, or ease the burden. Well said. Bravo, fellas. Bravo. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for sharing the story with us. And give our best to Theo for, for tipping us off to uh, what you guys are up to today. Well, well done. Right. Thank uh-huh. you very much. Thanks again. Chris Popel is the concerned neighbor looking out for... His neighbor on the bad roof and Derek Colley of Agassiz Roofing. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us this morning on The Start. And this is the kind of thing where I would have no idea, uh, Greg, if I was being hosed, being scammed by somebody. Because I've, as, as I've pointed out before, I have no skills with tools. And I'd just be, I could stand there and watch and go, yeah, um, they're on the roof and they're, uh, they're doing some work. Looks good to me. Sure. Yeah, I've you- had this conversation with my own grandmother uh, a couple of times over the last decade since my grandpa passed away. I've gone over there and there's a new hot water tank or there's a new, or new roof was something that she did without consulting me or any one of my brothers. And I've just tried to say, you know, Baba, I know you love your independence. I know that you're a smart woman and that you can take care of yourself. But please, please just ask us for a little bit of advice when you when you go down that road, because uh, she's had one really bad experience. And and if you know, she just picked up the phone and uh, asked us for our advice a little bit, uh, things might have gone a little bit differently. So my genuine advice is don't hesitate to reach out to people that, you know, know a little bit more about this stuff than you. And don't be afraid to admit when it didn't go well, when you made a bad decision, where you brought in someone who did a shoddy job, because I think too many people don't want to admit 
when they were taken for or scammed. And it, my goodness, how many times have we talked to the fraud center, anti-fraud center, to hear how just how many Canadians are duped? And it doesn't make you intelligent. It doesn't make you dumb. It doesn't make it just it happens. And so I think people have to admit to that, too, because then we can do a better job of cracking down on that kind of stuff. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.